Good morning, church. Welcome to this worship space where the only win you'll experience in here is coming out of my mouth. <laughs> in a few minutes, you're going to see that QR code appear on these screens. If you'll point your camera phone at that, the bulletin will come on your phone, and there you will have opportunity to submit any prayer request. And I invite you this morning to be in prayer for our 10 United Methodist churches in the Ukraine. We have 10 churches there, a total of 500 people, and they are working so hard to take care of the water needs and the humanitarian needs of the people who are left. They're helping to facilitate the new refugees, mostly in Poland. And more importantly, they, they ask for our prayers and they ask for strength to keep doing what they're doing. So this morning, please keep our 10 United Methodist churches in Ukraine in your prayers. Also, you will be able to give electronically there if you're in the worship center at either end of the door. There are boxes. You can also give gifts there. And you can find the Calvary News. We're in there. You'll see everything that's going on at your church. Are you ready to worship this morning? If you're comfortably able, let's stand and join in and sing this song.
Good morning, friends. Will you, will you pray with me, please? Almighty, all-knowing, everlasting God, you alone are worthy of our praise. And we take joy in the work of Christ, which enables us to approach your throne and lift our praise to you. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. In your knowledge and wisdom, you provide for all of our needs with abundance. In this Lenten season, we're especially mindful of your grace and your great love for us that led you to send your son to show us the kingdom of God among us and in obedience to your will to take on the burden of our sins and bring us salvation. And when he went back to you, he sent us his spirit to indwell us and to guide us. Thank you, Lord, for these special gifts and help us to live our lives in ways that bring glory to your name. And Lord, when we fail to seek your will or to do your will, convict us through your spirit, bring us to repentance, bring us back into right, right relationship with you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, inspire us through your spirit to bring the hope of Christ to those in our world who are oppressed, to bring the love and peace of Christ to those who grieve, and Lord, impart your healing to those who are broken, that all in this world may know the joy that comes only from you. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, we do lift uh, the people of Ukraine to you this, this day as they endure the unthinkable and the unspeakable. And we lift our, uh, our Christian brothers and sisters in that country as they continue to try to minister to uh, their neighbors, Lord. Only uh, your power and, and your input will uh, resolve this issue, Lord. We know that. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, we lift uh, former Calvary member Lynn Curtis to you following a kidney transplant this week. Lynn's living donor is his daughter, Lauren. We ask for your healing touch on both Lynn and Lauren during their recoveries and pray that the transplant may prove successful. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We also lift Tom Burns to you as he underwent an infusion procedure this week to help with inflammation issues. We pray that the procedure proves effective and that Tom experiences no side effects from it. We ask too for your peace and comfort for Tom and Libby as they persevere through this trying time. Lord, in your mercy, our prayers. And Lord, we lift to you Jen Gonzalez's friend, Kate Kimball, after the sudden passing of her husband, Jim, this week. Impart to this family your comfort in their time of loss and grief. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. And Lord, we lift to you those things in our hearts that have gone unspoken this morning. We know that in your wisdom and your power, you will give us your comfort. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. We pray all of these things in the wonderful name of Jesus as we join together in the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, friends, please join me as we affirm the tenets of our faith in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I believe in the Catholic Church, that is the universal church. Wherever God's people are, the church is. I got a call from John Croft this morning from Florida, and he wanted me to say this to you. When you give this morning in the offering tray, 100% of everything you give for the World Service Fund will go to help those in the Ukraine. In the weeks to come, we hope to have a special offering number where you can give in excess of what you're giving now. In these difficult times, it is a blessing to be a global church. Let's give as God has given to us.
Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 22 through 32. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him, but he answered the father, listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours come back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. your servants who have gathered here to worship you. Amen. We will be, this Lenten season, we will be walking through Les Miserables where we will see visibly on screen and through sermons God's grace just opposed to justice, God's love and mercy and how we are to minister to and with the poor. During my first assignment uh, as a pastor in the United Methodist Church, I was assigned to go back to my hometown to start a church. And when I was sent back, I was not prepared for what I found, although I was born and raised there. Surrounded the church was five major street gangs all at war with one another. About my second week there, we had had a few families and a few teenagers who joined the church. One of the teenagers had been 
arguing with a rival gang. And to protect himself, he thought, he fired a gun. It didn't hit any of the rival gang members, but it did hit a five-year-old boy while he was in his bedroom sleeping. The kid was in critical condition at St. Mary's Hospital. The family asked me if I would go and pray because they didn't think he would make it. And that wasn't difficult for me because that's what we do. It's hard to walk in the room of a child that's fighting for their lives, but God calls us to pray for people and to remind people that no matter what happens, this kid is bathed in the love and arms of God. But was I, what I wasn't prepared for, the family of the kid who shot the five-year-old asked me to go to the jail in Belleville and pray for that 17-year-old kid. That was hard for a young pastor because I was angry with that child, hurt that he would even pull a trigger, mad because this child was now in St. Mary's Hospital fighting for his life, all because two silly gangs were fighting over something that we will never know about. But I went to the county jail anyway. And I was prepared to sit there and remind this kid of God's justice, God's law that's found in the Old Testament. But when the kid came out, he was crying like a baby. And he said, Pastor Weatherall, I didn't mean to shoot this kid. He said, but you don't know what it's like to grow up in this area. He said, if we make it to the next morning, we consider ourselves blessed. There's not a time in the day that we go by that we don't look over our shoulder and we don't fear for our lives. We have nobody to protect us here unless we join these folks who are our only family in these gangs. We have nobody to protect us. And once you're in, you're bound to do what they said. That kid changed my mind about what our ministry was to be about. From that moment, I, we turned our ministry toward teenagers and young kids. Everything we did was set up to draw those young people into our circle. And we used to say to them that when you join this church, you are joining the toughest gang in town because our rules are difficult to follow. Brothers and sisters, those kids were so hungry for a place to belong. When Bishop Woody White chartered that church, he chartered it with 137 teenagers in attendance that day. We had more kids than adults because those children 
needed hope. They needed to experience the grace and the love of God. They needed to know that this life is not the end of it, but there's a life to come. But when justice and grace collides, as it did in that 17-year-old son, by the way, the five-year-old kid is doing just fine even today, but justice collided with grace. The law demanded that he serve his time for firing a weapon without license or cause and within the city limits and endangering the life of a child. He was sentenced to 15 to 20 years in prison. He got out in nine with good behavior. And because of the church that didn't forget about him when he was in that prison, he became a Christian and still is to this day. Because grace always has to meet justice in a place where God is made known in the process. In Les Miserables, John Valjean and Inspector Laverne represents justice and grace colliding together. Valjean arrested for stealing a loaf of bread, sentenced to five years in prison, but actually say 19 because he kept trying to escape. Finally, released from prison, the magistrate said that he must spend the rest of his life on parole, that he must be watched at all times. Well, as he was released from prison, there was no place for him to go. There was no room at the end, so to speak. Every door he knocked on, he was turned away, except for the home of a bishop. And the bishop welcomed him in and fed him and, and fed him some of the best meal that he had had in a long time. And Valjean repays the favor by stealing his silver the night he was asleep. Well, Inspector Javert, a man centered on justice, a man who had dedicated his life to making sure that criminals did not get away with their crimes. A just man who wanted everybody to pay the price for the crimes they committed. He found them. They found Valjean with the bishop's silver. They brought him back to the bishop's house and to everybody's surprise, the bishop meets grace and justice square in the middle. He says, oh, I gave him that silver. He says, Valjean, I'm glad you came back because you, you, you missed the most valuable part of the silver. Take these candlesticks. They are the most valuable 
part of the collection. But you have to use this to do something good in your life. That incident changed Val John's life. And we witnessed through the music his conversion, so to speak, into Christianity as love gave way to grace. And Val John became a man dedicated to give his life to help others, knowing most certainly Cosette or the little orphan child. But where grace and mercy meets is a dance that Valjean and Levert dance for us in the musical to remind us that we live in a world where grace and justice collides all the time. In our church setting, Adam brought in the need for the law. His transgressions in the garden made it possible that God had to give to Moses the law of the Old Testament. The first five books in the Old Testament is usually the law books. We, you can sum it all up in the Ten Commandments. The law. If you steal, you're guilty and you have to pay the price. Once you pay the price, there was no reconciliation. The law was not a forgiving instrument. The law was a cruel taskmaster designed to teach us how bad we are, but in it had no grace to reconcile us back to where we belong once we paid the price. Through Adam comes the law. Through Jesus comes grace. In Jesus, we experience the powerful act of love and forgiveness, justice and mercy. In Jesus, we discovered that we are guilty of sinning against God and one another. Guilty of committing the crime or walking away from God's plan for our lives. But pardon because God loves us. Guilty yet pardon. One man comes to law. Another man comes grace. We see those things collide in what most call the prodigal son, but that's not the original name of the story. The original name is the tale of two brothers. One brother, the older brother, who always worked in the church. And next week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say to you that the older brother reminds us of the Old Testament law, of the old saints who always did what God wanted them to do, who never strayed from the plan. This younger brother, 
who came to his daddy and said, now look here, dad, you're going to die someday. When you die, you already have this set for me to get some of your money and some of your stuff. Why wait till you die? <laughs> Let me enjoy the stuff while you're living so you can hear about and see me enjoying the fruits of your labor. Now, what would you say to your son, grandson, who comes up and say, you're going to die, but sign the insurance policy today so I can, I can trade it in and experience the money? Well, the boy winds up in a hog pen, justice. For a Jewish kid to wind up in a place where hogs are fed and contemplating eating some of the food that the hogs were fed, you can't get farther away from God's plan than that. You can't get closer to Hades than where the younger brother found himself. He sits there, and as he's sitting there, he, he contemplates. My father's hired servants are treated better than this. I'm going back. I'm going to appeal to my father's love. I'm going to appeal to my father's mercy. I'm going to throw myself on my father's and lay myself prostrate and beg my father to hire me back as a hired hand. And I'll be glad to work for him for nothing as long as I can experience the warmth and convenience of a warm bed. Well, on his way back, the father does something that is against the law in Jewish customs. Old men are not supposed to run in Jewish law. The father runs to meet the son and tells the servant, hey, kill the fatted calf. We need to plan a party for this son of mine was once lost. Now he's found. Get the family ring. Put on the finest robe. My son has come home. Justice, hog pen, mercy, a father's love, embracing a wavered son. Carboy, that famed theologian, is famous for saying, they asked me, Mr. Bart, after 500 books and letters, what is the greatest theological statement you can make? And in Chicago, Carl Bart said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And in his 13-volume Church Dogmatics, in volume 4, chapter 1, he submits this theory. What if Jesus represents the younger son. What if we see Jesus who left everything in heaven to join us as our brother, as humanity, to experience everything we experience and winds up in the dirt and the filth of life that we walk every day? 
the muck and the mire of daily life that we have to negotiate every single day? What if Jesus represents us as our brother? Leaving everything that God has for us in search of something better. What if Jesus leaves heaven and winds up in a hog pen called Golgotha? And there, all of the sins that we committed as his brothers and sisters were placed on him. And there, crucified. Justice, grace on the cross for you and me. A grace that says you're guilty, but I want to spend eternity with you. A grace that says I love you from the very beginning and you continually walked away. But in this son of mine who found himself in a hog pen called cavalry has taken justice upon himself and we crucified it so you may experience grace and love. What if the father who ran to meet his son represented God our Father, who when he saw Jesus come home, who was able to endure all things on earth, even death on the cross. Father, forgive me. Father, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. Jesus, who was as human as we are, We're able to take our humanity. And instead of God dispensing God's justice on us, God dispensed that justice on his only son so that you and I would not have to pay the price. You and I experience the love of God in Jesus Christ. This Lenten season, is a time of conversion. During Lent, my brothers and sisters, we, we need to focus on three pillars, three tenets. Prayer. Lord knows the world needs our prayer. There's so many things that we, we could and should be praying for today. During this Lenten season, I'm asking you, I'm begging you to please, please, please spend time in prayer for our world, for our families, for our church. Second, use this opportunity to fast. And I'm not talking about food alone. Fasting is the idea of abstaining from something that's controlling you. If it's Facebook, young people, that's TikTok for us. 
if it's social media, fast from it and use that time to, to be in prayer with God. Third, during this Lenten season, practice acts of kindness. Go out of your way to be kind to someone. Pray fast, be kind. You never know when those three pillars of our faith, like Valjean, can call someone to be converted to Christianity just by the way you treated them. Prayer, fasting, self-giving. Those are the three things that I believe that God wants us to focus on as we make this journey to the cross. Make this journey to the hog pen where God's son took our justice and it was nailed to that cross so that God could give us grace. This Lenten season, take a deep dive into your spiritual life. And there you'll find the grace of God at work in you. Amen. No does God's justice and grace meet more visible than in the communion table. At the communion table, we see a visible reminder, a visible reminder of God's grace and the world's justice. Take my body, which represented by this piece of bread. This piece of bread represents my body that has to be broken for you, I must endure the pain for you. I have to seal the deal where nothing else can separate you from my father. Take it and eat of it. And as you eat of it, be reminded that it's me and my father broken for you. Then as you take the wine, whatever you're drinking, if you take it, and you drink of it. This represents the new covenant, the new grace, the new law brought forth by the shedding of my blood. That through it, the covenant that we make on earth will be ratified in heaven. Greater love than this and someone would lay down their lives for us. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that in him we meet the world's justice and we meet your grace. In him we see the great love that you have for us. In him 
we experience what it means to love neighbor, to love self, and to love you. Grant us your Holy Spirit, O God, that during this season of Lent, we may rededicate our lives to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.